welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of AC Vineyard Church. This week, Sandy talks about creativity in relationships. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. So happy Father's Day, dads. Got my tissue ready? Let's, let's do this. So I had the, um, the task over this last month or so I've known about today being my day, and it's Father's Day. We started a, um, we started a series on creativity, and I'm getting all these downloads from the Lord like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Let me write that down. Oh, that's really good. Let me write that down. Oh, this is great. Let me put this down. And then I have all of these pieces, like a huge jigsaw puzzle, right? And it's all over the place, and it's like, okay, how, did this, how does this all fit together? And I'm a, I'm a planner, so I usually have my my sermon, my notes, everything ready to go like two weeks ahead of time and I look in the mirror and I practice it and I got it down, I've got the timing correct and you know that's, that's kind of how God made me. I'm a firstborn and I, I like things to be just so. My kids know that, sorry kids. Um, but God didn't let me do it the way I want to do it this time. He gave me bits and pieces and then yesterday he said just tell stories. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to have story time. Um, many of you don't know, I was a preschool teacher for a number of years. I did um, in-home child care for lots and lots of years. So I love story time. My kids can tell you every day at nap time, we had story time. We went to the library, got books every week, and we read lots and lots of story books today. So I have a story to tell you today. We're going to recap first because I am a teacher, and we have talked about a lot of things over the last month. And when we hear them over and over again, then they become solid in our minds. And we want them to be in your mind, we want them to be in your heart, and we want them to motivate you to action. So a month ago, uh, Pastor Irene talked about keys. Ah, my wonderful husband's back there. He's always got me. Um, she talked about keys on Mother's Day and how God gives us keys for the things that he has in our lives to unlock those things. And sometimes... There's things in our lives that weren't meant for us, and we don't necessarily get those keys. So we talked about keys a little bit. And then the next two weeks, and I'll have you guys know, I was on vacation, but I went to the podcast online, and I heard every single word of what was told. So there's no excuse to say, oh, I wasn't there that week. I don't want to hear it. Go to our website, azvineyard.com. Look at the podcast. You can listen to every single word. So the next two weeks... Uh, Jim talked about the kingdom and the kingdom being uh, like the water in a fishbowl and that we are the fish, the church, and we swim in the kingdom and we are most ourselves when we're in the kingdom. And if we try to get out of the kingdom, we flop around like a fish needing some water, right? Um, and he talked about how the traditions of the church are like a castle and you can swim in and out of the castle and those traditions are there, but they're, they're not to restrain us or they're not to keep us from, from the things that God has for us. And if there's so much more I'm on all of this, I'm doing super, super Reader's Digest version. So if you didn't hear it, please go back and listen. And then John and Becca talked about creativity. And they talked about not just um, the fine arts and, and um, visual arts, but how we can be creative in our lives and everything we do, in our relationships, in our jobs, in, in the most menial tasks, there is a form of creativity. Because we are created in his image, and he is what? He's the creator, right? And then last week, Rod talked about creativity in our work, in our finances, and how 
Um, we can connect with God's provision and blessings when we do things his way. And sometimes that means we do things differently than the world would think. Sometimes Holy Spirit leads us to do something that seems completely crazy and out of the box. But if we listen and we do it, um, they shared their testimony of how they were completely debt-free from a large amount of debt in just five years. Um, that's incredible. So there's creativity available for us in, in everything in our lives. So today, I want to talk a little, bit, a little bit about creativity and relationships. So John touched on how dads, whether you're a biological dad or just a man in general, that you're wired to shine the light for others, to um, help other people along. That's how you're made, right? Um, so last time I was up here, I shared a little bit about my family and me as a little girl and how I had gotten saved. I shared my testimony a little bit. And um, today, I have the great pleasure of my dad being here with us on Father's Day. And my dad's a pretty awesome guy. He not only raised me and my sister, but then he remarried and adopted my two sisters, one of which is here, Jamie. And um, then he and my stepmom had my little brother, Chad. So I have quite the interesting family mix. I'm 18 years older than my youngest brother, so almost old enough to be his mom, right? My mom was 18 when she had me. So there's, there's how my family works, and I have the best dad. He, um, he was always a good provider. He took care of our needs. We didn't always see eye to eye, right, Dad? <laughs> One thing I learned, being raised in a godly home, and you know what God looks like, you have really high expectations for what your dad should look like. And I want to let all you guys off the hook because it took me a long time to realize that my dad was my dad, but he wasn't God. And if I put those expectations on him, I was going to be disappointed. So dads, you're not supposed to be God. Only Jesus is the only person who walked this earth that can fulfill that role. Your job is to lean into the Holy Spirit, to listen to him, to learn your kids and what works for your kids. So um, my dad and I had a period of time that we did not see eye to eye. In fact, there was about two years in my life that I didn't even speak to my dad. But my dad went to a conference on, on godly men, I don't remember the name of it, and he learned some things about apologizing, even if it wasn't a real, like, for me, I needed that apology from my dad, even if it was something that he didn't see as something that was a negative. But he came to my house, apologized, and we had a really, really good moment where we were able to come back together. And it was about that time that the Lord did a work in my dad and the Lord did a work in me that I realized that I had a pretty darn good dad. It took some work for me to realize that. So if you have a strained relationship with your dad, don't give up on that relationship because God is a God of reconciliation. And he will change you, and he will change your family, and he will bring you back together if you continue to rely on him. All right, so I want to talk about light bringers. So everybody got a flashlight when you came in this morning, right? Hang on to it. I have something that I need your help with later. Just hang on to it. If you didn't get one, they're in the lobby. I won't be offended if you go get one. Light bringers are men and women that have the ability to speak into your life with their gifts and talents. So I've told you about my dad. Now I want to tell you about some other notable men in my life. 
First of all, my husband, oh my gosh, if it weren't for that man, he's instrumental in my dad and I having a relationship again because he made me listen to my dad. I'm a very stubborn person and I was going to do it my way and my husband said, no, you need to listen to your father. So um, not only that, but he's always got my back. Yesterday we realized that we didn't have anybody scheduled to do the slides for the sermons and guess what? He's always got my back. Love that man. And then I have my pastor and my friend, um, John Farmer, who has always been there for me for the last 20-some years. And there have been times in my life when I didn't really like him being my friend. The reason being, he um, spoke truth even when I didn't want to hear it. Um, there are several conversations that he said, get over it. That wasn't what I wanted to hear. He was right in hindsight, but not what I wanted to hear. Um, we need those men in our lives that will speak truth, even if the truth isn't easy to hear. Um, Bert Hagen, he's not here today. He's been a friend of ours for over 20 years. And when we talk about creativity and skills and craftsmanship and talent, oh my gosh, we call Bert um, MacGyver because Bert can pretty much fix anything, give him some wire and tape and it's fixed and it runs forever. Um, but he's always been there for my family when we have a car broken down and Ed can't figure it out, who do we call? We call Bert. Um, he's been one of those kind of silent creative men in the background that most of you don't really know that much about Bert, but Bert's an incredible guy. Get to know Bert if, if he'll let you in. <laughs> um, and then Dennis, who's standing back there, I haven't known Dennis for very long, a couple of years, but I consider Dennis to be my one-man sharing squad and hype guy. If you ever need a hype man, if you ever need somebody to um, remind you of who you are and what you have to give, go talk to my man, Dennis. <laughs> and then um, I have a dear friend who I consider a brother who I feel like when you're in the ministry, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. I think you're a target for things. And when you have these type of guys in your life, um, Ken's one of them too, but George Gonzalez and I have been friends for a long, long time, and he's, my, he's the guy who's always got my back. Because those of you who may not know, I love doing outreach ministry, and I tend to just go running in and not think about what I'm doing. Like, my heart leads and I just follow, and my mind sometimes has to catch up, my mind and logic and, and like... Maybe you shouldn't run into that neighborhood where all the gangsters hang out and, you know, those, those sorts of things. Well, I've always got my man George back there. And I remember our last outreach, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go up to this house by myself. And Ed had, the, had our grandbaby, and he's looking like, oh, oh. And George goes, don't worry, I got her. And I'm watching this, you know, play out as I'm headed in because George has always got my back. I appreciate you, man. Each man that I mentioned here, and there's, there's numerous other men in my life that have been light bringers, um, each one of these has different gifts, they have different talents, they have different personalities, they have different senses of humor, and they have different perspectives on things. And each one of these men has played a part in who I am today. All right, babe, next slide. Okay, so... If you guys will turn with me to Exodus 31, 1 through 11, I want to talk about God giving creativity. Exodus 31, verse 1, says, God commissioned, and I think I'm reading out of the message, um, God commissioned and equipped Bezalel and his team for the purpose of building the tabernacle. 
So let's go back a little bit. So the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They've come across, you know, come across. They're in the desert, and the Lord gives Moses a command to build his tabernacle, a place for his glory to dwell. And so God commissioned and equipped Bezalel and his team for the purpose of building the tabernacle. Every person in this room is creative. So look to the person on your right and say, you are creative. Okay, I just want to make sure everybody knows that you're creative. Anytime you put your brains and talents to a task or project, you're being creative. So in Exodus 31, let's see what all God did with this. Hopefully my technology works today. I was having problems yesterday. Okay, out of the message, it says, God spoke to Moses, see what I've done? I've personally chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I filled him with the Spirit of God. What's, what did I just say? Right, so what do we need in order to be creative? Okay, just want to make sure we all picked up on that. Giving him skill and know-how and expertise in every kind of craft to create designs and work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set gemstones, to carve wood. He's an all-around craftsman. Not only that, but I've given him, oh, oh yeah, that guy, uh, son of that guy, of the tribe of Dan to work with him. And to all who have an aptitude for crafts, I've given the skills to make all the things I've commanded you. The tent of meeting, the chest of the testimony, on and on and on and on. So who gave these men, he, he commissioned the tabernacle to be built, right? And I always say, people who've been around me at all know, I say this a lot, God pays for what he orders. So he ordered that the tabernacle be built, and then he paid for it. He gave these men skills and trade and craftsmanship, and, and I'm sure the tabernacle, from what I've read, is, was an amazing place to be for the Spirit of God to dwell. So let's think about this. Anytime you put your brain and your talents partnered with the Holy Spirit to work, what is that called? Creativity. It's not difficult. And like Irene said, each one of us has different boxes that God gives us the key to open, right? Okay. So what about this? When you clean, Mary Ellen, when you clean and you organize or you decorate something, what are you doing? Being creative, right? It's hard to think about stacking the dishes in the dishwasher and think that's creativity. But really, isn't it? It all has to fit in there some way and you use your brain to make it fit. Okay. <laughs> Anytime you inject humor into a stressful situation, you are being creative. Anytime you encourage and build others up, you are being creative. Anytime you apply your knowledge, skill, and the ability that God gave you, you are reflecting his creative image to the world around you. And this, I want you to hear this. God made us creative so we could understand and enjoy his creation. Right? He created us to enjoy his creation. And not only that, this is a whole circle that goes around. Because we are creative, we bring glory to him because of our creative nature. So he created things for us to enjoy, gave us a creative spirit. We create things to bring glory to him. 
And, and it just goes on and on and on. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? I love how God is so creative. So today I want to talk, since it's Father's Day, um, I watched a sermon by T.D. Jakes, and I actually had never spent a lot of time listening to him, but as I was preparing, I'm, I'm watching all these sermons on Father's Day, and, you know, I don't know what to say to all these dads in the house. But he had some really great points. So I want to share those with you a little bit. I put the sandy spin on it. So I kind of took the icing off of the cake that he prepared. It was a great cake. If you want to hear the, the whole thing, go listen to it. It's great. Um, but I'm going to take the, the icing off the cake, and I'm going to sandyize it and kind of turn it into a little bit of a storytelling session. And we're going to talk about attributes of godly fathers. Okay? So let's look at the first one. The first attribute, and he did it in fives. Five is my favorite number, just so you all know. I love five. And they all start with the same letter. They all start with P. Love that. So here we go. Um, protector. And since John always says, don't make it girly. So I don't know, knights in armor. Is that, is that manly enough for you guys? All right. Okay, good. Shoo, pass that test. <laughs> So dads are protectors. That's how they're wired. Even if you're not a dad yet, I know Ken's not a dad yet, but uh, if anybody, when he was living with my mom, if anybody tried to mess with my mom, oh, you had a whole bunch of Ken to deal with. So uh, <laughs> dads care about the safety and well-being of their children. Men care about the people that are around them. They want to make sure they're protected and safe, just like George is always you know, reeling me back in when I'm getting into unsafe territory. Um, Ephesians 6, 11 through 18 talks about um, the armor of God and why men need to have this because they are wired to be the protectors. Um, I'm going to read out of the message starting in verse 10. It says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. Because you're protecting your family, right? So when the devil throws stuff at you, you need to be prepared. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. So you see that, that shield that that guy has? I see men with that shield like pushing back the darkness with us behind them, like, yes, keep going, keep going. You're pushing, we're pushing. We are the ones who, who go forward. The devil's not chasing us. We're pushing him back. And we have men with shields that are doing that. Look out. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. So we're not fighting against people. We're not fighting against circumstances. We're fighting against what? the devil and his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Ah, men, did you hear that? Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Are we supposed to do this life by ourselves? Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. <laughs> Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, 
Faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's, words, God's word is an indispensable weapon. Indispensable. Never runs out. It's always there. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. We need men of prayer in this house. I need men of prayer in my house. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. So here's a story about my husband, Ed. He was in a head-on collision about three, four, well, six. It's been six years ago he was in a head-on collision. And Angela was still in high school. And I remember one night she came to the hospital to stay with us. Um, he was in the hospital for about a month. And so she would come every night. She'd come to the hospital. At Cody, Cody had moved out by that time, but Cody would bring her and they'd visit in the evenings. And um, she was working on her homework and we both needed to use the restroom. So we went out of the hospital room down the hall. There was a restroom on this side. And then down a little bit further, there was a restroom on that side. So we go, and I dip in the first rest restroom, because I'm older and had two kids. Ladies, you understand. And she went down and dipped in the other one. Well, little did I know, after I dipped in the first restroom, there was a couple of um, young adult, older teens that followed her to the restroom and sexually harassed her, said some things that were not good. And when I came out of the restroom, when she came out, and she was very, you know, visibly upset and felt afraid. So I told her, don't say anything to your dad. <laughs> Being that he could not get out of bed, could not bear weight on his feet, I know he would have to protect his daughter because that's how dads are. So I went and got the nurse. The nurse went and handled it, told them they had to leave, and it was all taken care of. But I know his protective spirit was going to get out of that bed and go take care of some young boys. <laughs> that's just how dads are wired, right? Okay, next one attribute of a godly father, the provider. So Rod talked a little bit about uh, financial blessings and what God, God's original plan for work. Um, men are wired to work and to provide for their families. That's just how God made you. Now I know we live in a day that sometimes the wife works, the wife might make more money than the, than the man, and there's no shame in that. I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers or, or saying it has to be a certain way. That's not what I'm saying here today. What I'm saying is dads provide not only financially but they provide um, friendship they provide counsel sometimes even when you don't want it they provide um, they give sacrificially of their time of their money I mean I've known my husband lots of times he had a buggy for a long time and he really wanted to get that buggy running but something would always come up. So one of the kids needed something or whatever. And guess what? He never did get that buggy back together. We ended up just selling it. Dads give sacrificially for their families. Godly dads add to your life. So Ed and I um, kind of eloped-ish kind of deal when we got married. We went to the Justice of the Peace, did a quick little ceremony. Uh, my mom was in town, so I called her and said, hey, will you come be a witness for us tomorrow? We're getting married. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> so uh, we, that's what we did. That's, that's what we decided to do. So um, 
fast forward 20 some, about 20, 20 or so years, um, my dad came down to visit and he looks at, takes a look at my roof and he's like, you need some work on that roof. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, one of those things that you don't really have the money for, we'll get to it when we get to it. Well, he says, well, you know, your dad has a roofing company and, and uh, we didn't get you a wedding gift because you didn't have a wedding, so how about if I come put a roof on your house? So my brother came down and they put a new roof on my house. So I was grown, had kids of my own, and my dad still wanted to be a provider because that's how our dad is. That's the attribute of godly fathers that we see with our heavenly father. Okay, next one. Promoters. Don't you love having dads who are promoters? Like family first no matter what, right? Godly dads are promoters of their children and families, and this gives them a sense of, this gives the people in the family a sense of belonging and self-confidence. Um, and promoting dads know just what to say and when to say it, right? Dads who promote their kids. So let's look at um, Luke 15, 20 through 24. This is the story of the prodigal son. And I want to read it out of the message. I've just really been digging into the message lately. I love the way some of these things are written. It says, When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart was pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. And then the son started his speech. So if you don't know the story of the prodigal son, he got his inheritance early, took off, spent it all doing whatever he wanted to do. I can relate because I did that as well. Um, went into where he was so down, he had no money, nothing. He's working as a slave and he's eating the food that they're feeding to the pigs. And then he thought, wait, even if I go home to my dad and be a, one of his servants, I will be better cared for than this. So I'm just going to go apologize and see if he'll take me on as a servant and we'll, we'll see how that goes. So he has his speech already for his dad, right? He says, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you and I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But of course, the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. Isn't that great? Yeah. That's a promoter. That's a dad who doesn't see the circumstances, but he sees the family and where, where that place is in the family. So I have another story. A few, many years ago, I guess it's been many now, when you get older, what seems like a few all of a sudden is many, isn't that? That's, that's hard. So, <laughs> all right. So um, many years ago, Ed got a new boss at work. And the first or second day, he's going to meet this new boss and have his one-on-one -on -one with him. And, and he comes home from work and he's like, well, honey, I told my boss, family always comes first. And I'm like, dude, it's your first or second day with this guy. Couldn't you have eased that in a little bit? You know, he basically told him, if my family needs me, I'm there first. If this happens, I'm there, you know. And, and I was like, oh, okay, I appreciate that about you, but it could have waited a week or two till you got to know this guy, right? That's what dads that are promoters do. They put their family first. 
All right. So next is a priest. And I did these in the order that T.G. Jakes has them in. But I feel like this is actually the first and most important attribute of a godly father. Godly dads are the spiritual leaders of their homes. They are the best at praying for their wives and children. Um, in 1 Chronicles 29:19, it says, oh, I'm out of time already. Guess what? You can look that up at home because I got a lot more stuff to share with you. Is everybody good with that? Yes. Okay. So I'll just tell you the gist of it. In 1 Chronicles 29:19, David is praying for his son Solomon who is going to be building the temple. And the thing in his prayer, he says, Give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all and to build the temple. So a dad's prayer for his son was that he would have a clean, pure heart and remember God's ways. Why is that? Because, I'll tell you, because God's ways lead to extravagant abundance. If you want to do it your way, go right ahead. See how that works out for you. But in my life, I have learned when you do it God's way, it leads to extravagant abundance. The story of Noah, we know Noah and the ark. First thing he does when he brings his family out of the ark, he did not build a house. He built an altar, and he offered sacrifice to God. God has to be first in our families. So we've talked about dads being protectors and um, providers and promoters. But one thing about dads, and if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. If you don't cast your cares on the Lord, and if you don't pray without ceasing, you're setting yourself up for a breakdown. Because if you're doing the attributes of being a godly father and you're leaving that part out, you're trying to do it on your own, and you cannot be a godly father without tapping into the Holy Spirit and his presence that lives in you. And when you as a man, and I'm not a man, but this is what I've learned, when you as a man have your solid footing in who you are in Christ, you have the ability to love like this. Because it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Because you know God has you. He has you. He has your family. And you can continue to sacrificially love and give to those around you. Okay, next one. And prophet. I love this one. A godly dad tells their children about their destiny. They remind them of who they are. They look past current circumstances and speak life. They help their children learn to elevate and see things from a heavenly perspective. Even names of children have meaning. We learned that today, right? Even names of children have meaning. So in Genesis, I'm not going to pull it out and read it because we're running late. Um, in Genesis chapter 35, Rachel has her baby and she dies while she's having her baby. And she names him son of my pain or son of my sorrow, right? Dad comes on the scene. He says, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what we're naming my boy. We are naming him son of good fortune, son of my right hand. His name went from Benoni to Benjamin because dad said so. 
And guess what? Dad spoke destiny over that baby. And dads, you have an authority and a power that no one else has to speak life into your children. So today, as your gift, you got a keychain. And Irene talked about God giving keys. Sometimes dads get keys for their kids early through this gift, an attribute of being a prophet. Sometimes dads see things in their kids' future that their kids aren't ready to, write, ready to grasp quite yet. So God gives those keys to dads, and dads hang on to those. And at the right time, dads remind kids, help God with those giving of those keys, right? So that keychain that you got today, remind yourself that that, that is an um, opportunity for you to hang on to the keys for your family. So I'm going to read you one more story, and then I have just like two more slides. Are everybody doing good? I, I'm five minutes over. Okay. Somebody said keep going, and I'm going with that. <laughs> so I'm going to read you a story about the power of prophecy, the power a dad has with prophet. So this is a story that is told in a book called Power for Living by Jamie Buckingham. And it was a story first told by Fred Craddock while lecturing at Yale University. He told of going back one summer to Gatlinburg, Tennessee to take a short vacation with his wife. One night, they found a quiet little restaurant where they looked forward to a private meal, just the two of them. While they were waiting for their meal, they noticed a distinguished-looking white-haired man moving from table to table visiting guests. Craddock whispered to his wife, Oh, I hope he doesn't come over here. He didn't want the man to intrude on their privacy, but the man did come to his table. Where are you folks from, he asked amicably. Oklahoma. Splendid state, I hear, although I've never been there. What do you do for a living? I teach homiletics at the Graduate Seminary of Phillips University. Oh, so you teach preachers, do you? Well, I've got a story I want to tell you. And with that, he pulled up a chair and sat down at the table with Craddock and his wife. Dr. Craddock said he groaned inwardly. Uh, oh no, here comes another preacher story. It seems everyone has one. The man stuck out his hand and said, I'm Ben Hooper. I was born not far from here across the mountains. My mother wasn't married and I, when I was born, so I had a hard time. When I started to school, my classmates had a name for me, and it wasn't a very nice name. I used to go off by myself at recess and during lunchtime because the taunts of my playmates cut so deeply. What was worse was going downtown on Saturday afternoon and feeling every eye burning a hole through you. They were all wondering just who my real father was. When I was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to our church. I would always go in late and slip out early. But one day, the preacher said the benediction so fast, I got caught and had to walk out with the crowd. I could feel every eye in the church on me. Just about the time I got to the door, I felt a big hand on my shoulder. I looked up, and the preacher was looking right at me. Who are you, son? Whose boy are you? I felt that old weight come down on me. It was like a big black cloud. Even the preacher was putting me down. But as he looked down at me, studying my face, he began to smile, a big smile of recognition. Wait a minute, he said. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You're a son of God. With that, he slapped me across the rump and said, Boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. The old man looked across the table at Fred Craddock and said, that was the most important single sentence ever said to me. With that, he smiled, shook the hands of Craddock and his wife, and moved on to another table to greet old friends. Suddenly, Fred Craddock remembered. On two occasions, the people of Tennessee had elected an illegitimate to be their governor. One of them was Ben Hooper. 
so you don't know. Could be a tiny little thing that you do in someone's life that makes all the difference in the world. Okay, I have one more slide, and then I'll wrap it up. So it's Father's Day, right? And you want to, um, you want gifts on Father's Day, right? <laughs> what dad doesn't? So if you have a piece of paper, I want you to write these down. If you don't have a piece of paper, you can go to the podcast at azvineyard.com and listen again and write them down there. Because we are short on time, I'm just going to give you these. These are all gifts to fathers. Proverbs 22.6, this is one I have held on to my whole life raising my kids, and it's train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. How do you know how to train a child in the way he should go? You have to lean into the Holy Spirit, right? You have to be the godly priest of your house. Uh, Proverbs 27, Isaiah 54.13, and I will read, because this one, I just, I'm, you guys need a gift today, so you're getting it. Psalm 112. It says, Hallelujah, blessed man, blessed woman who fear God, who cherish and relish his commandments. Their children are robust on the earth, and the homes of the upright, how blessed. Their houses brim with wealth and a generosity that never runs dry. Sunrise breaks through the darkness for good people. God's grace and mercy and justice. The good person is generous and lends lavishly. No shuffling or stumbling around for this one, but a sterling and solid and lasting reputation. Happy Father's Day. So, in closing... Whether you're a biological father or a man of God that has been given the privilege of speaking into someone's life, you can use your God-given creativity in the ways that you shine the light for those you lead. You start these relationships with love and hospitality. That's how you get the inward to talk to people. You start these relationships with love and hospitality. You create a safe place for people to be real, authentic, and even vulnerable. As my daughter often says, you can choose to be the thermometer or the thermostat. Are you a dad who sets the temperature in your home by your positive attitude, or do you react to the stimulus around you and allow the circumstances in your work, your home, or even your drive home affect you? Having emotional creativity means that you have the ability to sense the environment around you and yet decide what environment you choose to live in. This is made possible by listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit and choosing to follow that lead, even if it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when you walk in the door of your home and from a hard day at work, your wife starts with all the problems of her day, and then the kids come in fighting. Is this sounding familiar to anybody? You choose to stay at peace, and you choose to have encouraging words for them, and you remember that the Holy Spirit is always ready and willing to help us light the way, even in the darkest of times. So, everybody take out your flashlight. Got it? All the guys, flashlights. See, it's getting darker in here, isn't it? All right, let's see them. 
pretty, pretty amazing, right? You have the power to light the way for those around you. God bless you and happy Father's Day. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com. 